Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always on today's show. We're going to discuss Oregon's first verbal commitment of the 2022 recruiting class, why it's a big deal, it's another four-star recruit, and also how maybe the Oregon football program is in a unique and rare situation where they can recruit the state of Oregon pretty hard in the class of 2022 based off of early projections. All coming up here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Before we do, I want to remind everyone out there that they can subscribe to DuckTerritory.com for as low as $1. $1 for your first month, $9.95 thereafter that. Inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. Read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network, not just ours, but every site out there within our network. You get access to Eric, Kevin Wade, myself, national, regional writers, uh, that cover football, cover football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, great duck community, all for $1.995 after that. Or if you want to go annual, you can save a huge chunk of change, $75.18 one-time billing. And that's over a $3 and I think 30 cents savings per month. Uh, huge compared to the month-to-month price, huge, huge value there as well. So Highly encourage you guys to consider doing that. All right, so on Thursday, the Oregon football program landed a verbal commitment with a recruit of the last name of Winston, uh, a very popular last name in the state of Oregon for the last eight or so years at the high school level, Uh, Amarion Winston, four-star linebacker from Central Catholic, Portland, Oregon. He is the youngest brother – out of three, Lamar currently just graduated from the U of O. He was a senior on this past Oregon football team. He was a four-star recruit. And Elijah Winston is a redshirt sophomore at the University of Southern California, also known as USC. And Amarion is now the next Winston to come through the prep ranks at Central Catholic. And He decided on Thursday to give a verbal commitment to the Oregon Ducks. He is the 207th best player in the country, regardless of position. He is the 20th best player at the outside linebacker spot, the third best player in the state of Oregon, six foot three, 220 pounds. And Eric, the thing I like the most about Winston here is he is a prospect that can play inside or out at the linebacker spot. He is a Brandon Huffman in March released a scouting report that compares him to Jamie Collins of the new England Patriots, a day three draft pick. So meaning from a projection standpoint, meaning he can go anywhere from the fourth to the seventh round based on his projections. Uh, Winston while young, while this is still two years out is yet another really big verbal commitment for the Oregon football program. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, right now, at least, he's the most highly regarded of the Winston brothers, at least from a recruiting perspective. I pulled that up as we were talking here. Uh, Elijah Winston, all four-star outside linebacker prospects, we should mention here. Um, But uh, Lamar, pretty close to Marion's rank. Uh, He was 270th nationally uh, back in the 2016 class. Like we said earlier, Marion 240th in the composite, currently in 2022. Elijah, the middle brother, now at USC, at 364th nationally, also a four-star recruit, but right on the, I guess, the, the verge of being a three-star. So 
maybe the youngest one is going to be the best of the bunch. And, and I think you watch him on tape and you could see why that could be a, a, a strong possibility. Uh, I think he has probably the best frame of the group at six foot three. I've heard some people say he might've grown to, to six, four. It's a little taller than his brothers. Obviously Lamar played at six, one, six, two. Um, I think Amarion can certainly carry a lot more weight than what we saw with Lamar during his time at Oregon. And uh, you watch him on tape. He put, plays mostly with a, a hand down last year with central Catholic. I'm sure uh, his better position is standing up somewhere on the second level, but it's all there. He's, he's athletic. He's explosive. He makes plays in the backfield. He, he will remind fans. I think you go watch this. If you are familiar with his brothers, they're, they're not that far off in terms of this, the playing style uh, in terms of the really high athletic players. And, and I should say, at least from Lamar's perspective, cause I didn't interact as much with Elijah. Um, Amarion has a really high, uh, I guess uh, you have to live up to a lot because Lamar might have been my favorite Oregon athlete of the last like five years to talk with um, an absolute, an absolute joy to speak with. And, and just a really funny guy, um, I, I guess from an off the field perspective, it'd be interesting to see how the youngest brother factors in to that part of things as well. Yeah. I, I you're right in that he's the highest regarded player. I think um, I was, I spoke with Brandon Huffman, our national recruiting editor, actually about a story that I wrote, prior on the 2022 class in state prior to Winston giving a verbal commitment. And I'd asked him kind of just, what are your thoughts on the Winston brothers and where Marion kind of fits among those three. And he said by far on paper, uh, this is the guy that has the highest upside and, and the best talent and is, is the more complete player um, of the three brothers. And uh, he said Lamar maybe was the most athletic of the bunch. Um, Elijah was maybe the, the one that maybe had the biggest, you know, day one size of the bunch. Uh, but Amarion is the, the better complete football player out, out of all three of them at this stage in their careers. So um, Morgan's getting a guy. And, and look, if, if he could replicate and a little bit more of, of what Lamar Winston did at Oregon, yeah, they'd, I think that's a, a, a very good get because Lamar Winston was a rotational player his freshman year. He played as a true freshman. As a sophomore, was uh, a key guy off the, off the bench, one of, you know, one, like their top linebacker that would come in af- after starting. And then his junior year, he started, had a really good year. And then as a senior, they changed defenses. And, and so he, he kind of lost – his starting spot, but at the same time, he still played a ton and still carried a, a ton of value to that defense uh, and was an off-the-field leader as well. Um, and if you can get a little bit more out of Amarion than what you got from Lamar, I think you take that every single day. Oh, there's no question about it here. And you're just talking about the linebacker position going forward. And <laughs> Oregon's just going to have so many guys by the time that Marion arrives in 2022, it's kind of interesting to, to project what that could look like because you'd have Flo and Sewell entering their junior seasons. Uh, most likely, I guess, theoretically, there could be a redshirt season in there, but I don't think we expect that from either of them. Uh, and you'd have a lot of other young linebackers also kind of in that sophomore, junior, senior range. So it would be interesting to see kind of how this plays out. I think a ton of talent at linebacker. You, you look at this. Uh, almost all these kids are blue chip recruits, these four or five star guys, you know, almost exclusively for Oregon uh, at linebacker going forward. Winston, just another one of them. And I think a guy who 
fits really well at that stud position. Um, it'll be interesting to see what his body looks like in a couple of years. If he, if he does grow an inch or two, you know, does he, is he, does he arrive at Oregon playing at 240 or 245? Um, maybe he could even grow to be somebody who puts a hand down. But I really like what you see with him. And you're right, Matt, in terms of if he can replicate what, you know, what Lamar did at Oregon and, and maybe even a little bit more than that, the Duck fans would be ecstatic because what, what Lamar brought over four years, and I know the on-field stats might be misleading, especially last season, um, but he was a huge part of that defense and, and the way that defense changed. And I think he gets overlooked a little bit because it's easy to point to guys like Troy Dye, all those players in the secondary. Um, but Lamar was, was a really big part of that. And, uh, yeah, again, if, if Amarion can, can play a similar role, uh, Duck fans should take that every day. Now, Amarion is, is one of four players that are four-star recruits in the 2022 recruiting class within the state of Oregon. Um, two of these guys, and the top player in the state and the fourth player in the state, two of them are from Jefferson High School up in Portland, Oregon, a, a high school that's traditionally known as a high school powerhouse within the state and is always, you know, one of the be- the better high school basketball teams out west and, and frankly, in the country as well. Mm-hmm. You know, historically a top 25, top, you know, 40 high school basketball team in the country, um, Jefferson High School. So two players and, and Trey John Williams and Lamar Washington that are basketball players now turned football players and both players have high upside. And there's also an interesting connection here because uh, one of Oregon's recruiting assistants, off-field coaches, is Don Johnson. And Don was, this past fall, uh, Jefferson High School's football coach and was Trey John Williams and Lamar Washington's high school football coaches. And that creates um, certainly some interesting dynamics that are going to have to play out for Oregon uh, to recruit these both these guys because there is some communication between Oregon but because of the hiring of Don Johnson uh, it's going to be very sporadic if if that for a little bit yeah it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with both of those prospects obviously um Don Johnson's pretty familiar with those guys. Another in-state recruit who he didn't – I think he's eligible to coach, recruit technically as his son. Matt, can you correct me off on yes. that? There's nothing in – because Keenan Spear Johnson is uh, not a four-star recruit, but kind of a borderline high three-star guy who could be maybe an Oregon caliber guy down the line maybe. But uh, another name just to know there just because it's Don's kid. But, yeah, it's an odd scenario here. And I will say um, this is now back-to-back cycles where there have been some really good recruits out of Jefferson – uh, that that Oregon kind of has had to be had to kind of look past uh, you know a four-star defensive end out of Jefferson in the 2021 cycle uh, Nathan Rawlings Cabane and then a uh, running back committed to Oregon State Demir Collins also he was a four-star now a, a very high three-star kind of right on the cusp there he's committed to Oregon State so a talented running back Jefferson's got a lot of talent right now and, and Oregon I think smartly went up and, and, and hired Don Johnson but it is weird how what I think is a really smart hire kind of in the interim and the short term doesn't really benefit you very much because you've got two consecutive cycles where I'm sure Oregon would at least give a pretty strong look at both Rollins, Cabane and, and, and Collins. And in 2022 Williams and, and Washington are two guys that certainly it would make a lot of sense for them to go after. And I know we're going to kind of run through evaluations later, but these are two really exciting uh, defensive prospects and it's, it's unique for, the state of Oregon to have four kids ranked in the top two, four, seven, and especially three of those kids being 
um, really strong defensive players. I think that's exciting kind of for what Oregon could do down the line here if slash when um, they're allowed to, to recruit these Jefferson kids. Now, when they can recruit them is going to be the interesting factor here because right now Oregon, they can apply for a waiver and they haven't done that. Um, but the rule is if, if you hire a high school football coach or a trainer or a seven on seven coach to be able to recruit the players that he has previously coached at his previous high school or seven on seven team, that new coach has to be an on-field assistant coach, meaning he has to be like the defensive backs coach or the running backs coach, you know, what, what have you. And, (coughs) excuse me. And Oregon hired Don Johnson as the university of Oregon's director of high school relations for the football program, meaning he's not an on-field assistant coach. So you have to wait two years for when Don Johnson uh, will be able to recruit Jefferson High School uh, programs. And that then means Oregon's going to have to wait a little bit. And there's going to be – there's going to be – he was announced as the head coach – or in his position um, January 30th of 2020. So – there's going to be an opportunity where with about a week, two weeks before national signing day, Oregon can then officially extend the scholarship offer to Trey John Williams and to Lamar Washington. Um, these players could then take an official visit. They could land official, you know, they could have contact with coaches. So it's going to be a very up against the deadline type recruitment. Will Trajan Williams and Lamar Washington hold out to wait for a, a two-week, three-week, one-week period in which um, Oregon can officially recruit these guys, uh, or will they make their decisions early and earlier than that and, and be locked up by the time Oregon can start recruiting them? Will be a, will be certainly a, I think a fascinating um, storyline to play out because. Both these guys are in the top 247 for 24-7 sports, uh, are at positions, I think, of need. Um, maybe a little bit less with Lamar because Amarion Winston just committed to Oregon, but both players are defensive players. Both players have some big-time scholarship offers right now and are going to be some interesting prospects to watch play out uh, over the next few years. All right, let's take let's take a quick break, and we'll break down some of these players. That, you know, Trajan, Darius Clemens, Marion Winston, Lamar Washington, uh, and and we'll also discuss maybe how many of these guys could end up committing to Oregon for the twenty twenty two class. Welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Bramer. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And Eric, we discussed Winston already in his film review a little bit. Um, so let's let's not walk, let's let's not focus too much there. Um, what stands out with you when you watch Trajan Williams and his high school tape? You you see the you mentioned it earlier that both Williams and Washington are, are really good basketball players. I, I think that athleticism 
both of them, we should say, and we'll talk more about Washington in a moment, is very evident. Um, I, I love what Trey John Williams provides. I, I think you watch his film and you see how explosive he is. You see the athletic traits he carries. He's a little undersized, but, you know, he's got that basketball bounce to him. So, uh, you know, you, the first clip on the tape, he basically out jumps like a 6'3 receiver on the back of the end zone for a pick. Um, you know, he's that kind of an athlete. Uh, I think he's a good hitter too, a good, good, good player in space defensively. You know, it looks pretty good offensively with the ball in his hands too. He's very athletic, good change of direction. I think uh, somebody who maybe, you know, we're projecting way down the line here, but like, I'm not saying they're, they're that similar players, but like a Javon Holland who you put the ball in his hands and special teams and he's electric. I think a Trey John Williams could in theory be that kind of player. And again, we're projecting a couple years down the line, but I think he has those sort of athletic traits. And uh, I mentioned it in my film review. Um, it's not very frequent Oregon has elite defensive back talent in its own backyard like this, in its own state. I know Brady Breeze uh, came out uh, as a safety. He was a four-star, same class as Lamar Winston um, about five years ago. But for the most part, they've had to go out of state for these top cornerbacks and, and safeties. William, Williams, and, and you, Matt mentioned earlier how this could be kind of an unorthodox recruitment. Williams feels to me like somebody that Oregon – should try to well, definitely should try to land a commitment try to sign even though it's going to be strange just because you don't get these type of players in your backyard and, and frankly this is a guy that I, I kind of wonder uh, if, if he had more of an opportunity this offseason to, to go to some of these camps that, that aren't taking place if he could be somewhere that really had his uh, his stock rise a little bit yeah I think Williams it's going to be interesting but you know balance do you put all your chips in waiting for Trey John Williams to be able to recruit him or do you go after other safeties, and if you have space, then do you jump into the fray? Uh, I, I, I think that's probably going to be the likely outcome. Um, but, boy, if, if they can secure a Trajan Williams, that would be pretty dynamic from, from an Oregon football defensive perspective. The second-best player in the country, and Trajan Williams is ranked 123rd in the country, the eighth-best safety, the number one player in the state. Uh, Darius Clemens. A six foot three, hundred ninety five pound wide receiver from Westview in the Portland, Oregon area, four star receiver, one hundred sixty eighth best player overall, the nineteenth best receiver at the at that position in the country, the second best player in the state, and I think with a lot of kids from from Oregon, there's always an assumption that when they get offered a scholarship by Oregon, which Darius Clemens has they are you know, automatically just viewed as a heavy lean towards the Ducks. Um, Oregon has done a very good job of kind of creating this aura of if you're an in-state kid and you get an offer. And it's not just under Crystal Ball or Taggart or Helfrich or Kelly. It's been this way for decades that if you get an offer from Oregon, you're more likely going to land at Oregon. In Darius Clemens' case, and I'm not saying he's not going to land at Oregon – He's not originally from Oregon, so he didn't grow up loving, you know, growing up in the, in, in the lore of Oregon football, especially when, you know, he was a little kid. He would have been watching the Chip Kelly, Marcus Mariota years, you know, pre, pre-Marcus and then Marcus Mariota years, Anthony Thomas type stuff. So, you know, he, he's originally from the Midwest. That's why he's got some crystal ball predictions to miss Michigan State and Penn State. Uh, we'll go more into his recruitment later on, but just what kind of stands out about Darius Clemens? Jump ball receiver. Um, maybe a little similar in terms of how he 
I guess, operates around the red zone to Dante Thornton in Oregon's recruit Oregon. I shouldn't say he's not a commitment yet, but a recruit that Oregon certainly is in good position for in 2021 in terms of he's a jump ball guy around the end zone. Um, I think he's got great hands. Some of the catches he makes on his film are just like pretty, pretty eye-opening stuff. Um, the 247 sports comparison is Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears, and, and I'm sure most of you listening are familiar with who that is. And I, I think it's a good comparison from, from Huffman there. He's a big physical guy. He, he's a good route runner, we should say, as well. Um, I think the one area that does stand out, and you watch it here, and, and again, he's going against Oregon high school competition. I don't want to trash Oregon high school competition, but these aren't exactly like all D1 athletes he's going against and he doesn't necessarily have that burst and speed to separate like you would maybe like for a receiver but he certainly can find open space because he runs really well in terms of the routes uh, he's got great footwork off the line of scrimmage um, but like I said earlier I think where he's got a lot of potential is as a possession kind of goal line guy at six foot three with a I, I'm curious to see what his what his vertical jump testing numbers would look like because you watch him and, and he's definitely an athlete around the goal line that you would love to target because he can go up and get that football. And like I said, he's got great hands and, and he's certainly going to secure it. Now, Lamar Washington, we're going to skip over Marion Winston, who's the 207th best player in the country, third best player in the state, 20th best outside linebacker. We've already kind of gone over his film. Um, Lamar Washington, a four-star outside linebacker, 215th best player in the country, 21st best outside linebacker, fourth best player in the state, six foot four, 210 pounds. And this is a guy who has football offers, power five football offers. USC has offered Lamar Washington. Uh, Washington has, has offered him a scholarship as well. Um, California. He also has basketball offers and is starting to become a bigger and better name on the basketball circuit as well. So Uber athlete, what, what does the uh, film show you there? I think if you're listening to this and you haven't gone and watched any of the Oregon high school, these players were talking about their film and it was just like a blind watch. You'd watch Washington think he was the best player. Um, and I, I watched him and was like, it might not even be, extremely close and I know the, the the issue here is is the basketball stuff that you're talking about of, of where does his heart lie will he end up going that route um, maybe there's a, a question of, of if his heart's really in it as a football player but like you watch the tape and some of the stuff he does is is really really impressive and again we mentioned earlier why this is going to be kind of a strange recruitment because of Don Johnson this is Je this is the other Jefferson player along with Trey John Williams at Oregon I'm, I'm assuming would like to at least be involved in the recruiting process can't start that until the very end of that cycle but uh, he's an exciting prospect. And I know when you spoke with Brandon Huffman, because I did read your story, you know, Huffman suggested that like, it's not un inconceivable that Washington could, when this is all said and done, be the, the top player in the state. And I, I think I echo that. If, if he's somebody who focuses on, on football exclusively, or maybe doesn't even do that, but is able to just continue to work on his game and develop, like he has the athletic tools to be a total stud. And um, I'd be curious to see how his body fills out as well. Six four two ten. obviously needs to add some weight, but um, you watch it on tape. He's really disruptive. Um, he's really athletic, moves really well in space. And when he gets into that backfield, it's kind of like almost like a heat-seeking missile at the running back or the quarterback. So go. I, I think it would actually be kind of fun for those listening if you haven't done a deep dive into the 2022 in-state recruits in Oregon. Go watch these four recruits. We're going to talk about a, a couple of other ones here. But I'd be curious to see what the listener feedback would be because to me, Washington, and again, if you do this kind of almost like a, a blind test and you don't know what the ratings are like, I watched Washington and, and I think that was maybe the most impressive of the four I watched. 
Yeah, his his film is really special. And I look at him and think this is going to be a guy that Oregon might want to try and apply a waiver early on because it could pay off. I mean, Trajan Williams um, is, is the best player in the state right now and has a ton of offers. But I look at Lamar and think he hasn't even really touched football all that often. I mean, Trajan is more of a football player than basketball player. Lamar Washington is right now more basketball than football. And he hasn't even – so he, he's literally just scratching his surface from a football standpoint and could just skyrocket up the depth chart. And I look at his athleticism and think he could bulk up and be an outside linebacker and be a really good one. Or he could stay right around the same frame and be just this bone-crushing safety um, at six foot four, 210 pounds, 220. I think Washington is, is certainly going to be a guy that – Oregon will have to debate for a really long time of how, how are they going to handle this recruitment with kind of the, the, the restrictions that they currently have for another year, year and a half or so. And I would even say with Washington with positionally, like I think out, I think linebacker makes sense as he's playing at Jefferson, but like, you're right. He could play safety. What if he gained 45 pounds and he could be maybe even like a 250, 255 pound uh, defensive end edge rusher and I don't want to draw the comparison because it's extremely unfair but like and be a cave on Thibodeau sort of edge rushing explosive athlete off the edge and again that's projecting way down the line and totally unfair on his part but um, that's the type of athlete he is in terms of like I think he projects to play multiple spots depending on how he de- develops physically now there's there are a couple other players in the state that are also worth watching um, for the 2022 class right now the, I think the, the main one probably is going to be uh, Keenan Spear Johnson. You mentioned him at the top. That's a three-star, six-foot-two receiver. He is the son of Don Johnson. Um, and quite honestly, I mean, he's got a Nevada offer. He's got a couple other football offers as well. Uh, but quite honestly, this, is, this could be a guy who kind of flies under the radar and could land, a, you know, could land an offer from Morgan midway through the cycle. Uh, because he just seems when – when I watched his film, he just seemed to make plays. And it wasn't maybe, you know, the, the, the crazy 80-yard touchdown pass or the Randy Moss, you know, catch, but it just – he was consistent making, you know, the simple plays and, and doing those types of things. And he, he's, a good, he's a good athlete, and I just think, you know, he's going to be another guy that, to maybe potentially watch down the road. In agreement with that, um, I, I like – I mean, A, it's, I think it's always great when you have somebody that comes from a football family. It shows the kind of the love and the passion and commitment there. Obviously, Don, anybody who's been around him, he, he, he lives for this stuff, and, and I'm sure Keenan carries a lot of that with him. And you're right in terms of, like, you go watch. And it was funny because I wasn't able to find stuff from high school, but I found a couple of films from middle school, which I thought was weird that the Oregon's, like, football recruiting – somebody in their football recruiting office wouldn't have their son put up a huddle video. Maybe I'm missing it. <laughs> Correct me on that. But uh, you, you, you see it even then just the upside of what, what he can be. He's long, he's rangy. He, he is athletic. I, I, he's not similar maybe to Darius Clemens in terms of like, he's not like an elite speed guy. Um, but, but he, he does make plays. And, and I think, yeah, he, he has the upside to develop maybe into a guy Oregon looks at and like, here's a just totally off the cusp cuff wild scenario here. Maybe he's somebody that with the connections with his dad, maybe, maybe you don't use a scholarship and he walks on. 
at Oregon and is a walk-on that really has a chance to actually contribute at some point. Yeah, and, and there's a couple other names, I think, in the 2022 class that could be worth monitoring a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll see if anyone kind of rises up from, you know, the, the bottom of the list or you know, the middle of the list in the state rankings. But overall, the 2022 class feels like it, it's going to be one in which Oregon's going to be pretty active. And, Eric, I – that's going to be a huge advantage just from a time commitment standpoint of recruiting, even if they get two of these guys. No kidding. That's going to be a, a, a big tip in the cap of their, fe- uh, you know, of their feather in their cap because that's two less players they have to fly to and, you know, devote a whole day's travel to go visit. And I, we should mention just another recruit that's technically not in the state of Oregon. Yes. He's part of the border there and kind of the Vancouver area. And that's Tobias Merriweather. He was a big riser in the recent 247 sports rankings. He's now 70th nationally, ninth best receiver, 6'4", 185 out of Union High School in Camas. Uh, this guy is really special. Um, you go watch him, and it's kind of unique that Oregon would have both Clemens and Merriweather. I know Merriweather technically isn't an in-state recruit, but he's like border. He's on the border. He's like right there. Um, it's unique that Oregon has these type of wide receiver prospects so close by. And I think Merriweather, um, we talked earlier about Lamar Washington on his film and, and what stood out there and, and how I thought he looked like maybe the upside of the, the best player in that group. Uh, Merriweather to me right now is pretty clearly and undeniably the most talented. If you were to include him in the Oregon group, I mean, he is long rangey athletic. Uh, I think the, the sky's the limit there. And, and certainly a prospect to, to kind of know from the area as well, even though he's not technically an Oregon kid. Yeah, and that that name I forgot to mention him. He is a top 100 recruit, like Eric said, six foot four, and is probably I think the number one target in the region. And it's a unique deal from kids from Vancouver because they literally are across the river from Portland, and they are historically more connected towards the Oregon schools, Oregon, Oregon State, Portland State, Portland, than they are to Washington or Washington State. And it's going to be interesting to to see how Merriweather plays out, whether he's a a, a big fan of Oregon and Oregon State, or if he's got those connections to the Washington schools. And another thing here to to also monitor with Merriweather is, and he's he's been offered by Oregon, is – he is from the same seven-on-seven team that Troy Franklin is from and is play, he plays for FSP, and Oregon's been able to really kind of get into FSP. They've got uh, a tight end that's committed to them in the 2021 class that played for that seven-on-seven team this past spring. Um, you know, they, they've recently had a high school coach that – I think two years ago coached at FSP. So Merriweather doesn't, you know, Merriweather isn't going to be um, in that kind of that, that restriction period. He's, he's past that. Uh, But Oregon's been able to really entrench themselves into FSP a little bit from, you know, compared to four years ago, it was a, it was a program they could just never get anybody from. And Merriweather's also literally just, across the river from Portland, you know, two hours away from Eugene, uh, just as much time as it is to, to get to Seattle. So uh, that's going to be an interesting battle to see play out. Does he stay home? Does 
he go across the river to Oregon or is he open and, and does he leave the region in, entirely? What would and, you say, Matt, when we're looking ahead. at this, I was just going to say, I was just going to throw a question at you. When you're looking at this, this group here and you've now been covering this region for a while, does this feel at least on paper and it's really early here and a lot of stuff can change. And I think, there have been times in the past where we thought a class was going to be really strong and Oregon hardly recruited any of the kids. And there have been times where it didn't look very strong and Oregon took a couple of them. But does this on paper at least feel like one of the stronger, maybe the strongest in-state, and if we're including Meriwether, kind of regional classes we've seen from Oregon since you've been doing it? Um, I certainly think since 2018, because if you go back to that class, in 2008, the last few years, it's not been very good. No. Um, Oregon really, outside of Patrick Herbert, didn't pursue very many of the, the in-state players. 2018, though, I thought was a pretty unique deal because obviously there's the five-star in Talanoa Hufunga, and then there was five, uh, four more four-star recruits. Chase Cota went to UCLA. Trelo went to UW, who is now transferred to Oregon State. Braden Lindsey went to, to Notre Dame. And Elijah Winston went to USC. And four players in the state of Oregon were all ranked within the top 150. That, that's pretty unique. Um, they had a five-star. MJ Cunningham signed with Oregon. He was a three-star prospect. You know, Draco Bynum went to UW. Dawson Drillamo was a three-star, and he went to, to Oregon. Uh, Jake Ducart was a three-star that went to Oregon State. Deshaun Doc- Keyshawn Dawkins, another three-star that went to Oregon State. Uh, Miles Green-Richards and Bradley Bickler went to Washington State and Oregon State. So the state as a whole produced over 10 Power 5 players that season. I don't know if 2018 is, or 2022 is going to replicate that compared to 2018, but I think if you took the top five players in the region, so Oregon and Vancouver, and you compared them to 2018's top five, it wouldn't be better, but it also wouldn't be very far behind in my mind. And I guess now, because I think the depth of it has potential to be really good, because you could see a scenario here, and we'll get to it in a second, of, of how we think this could play out from an Oregon duck perspective with these guys but there's like five kids you know including Meriwether that are really high-end guys and I think that's what stood out to me and clearly there's not quite that top end five-star quite yet and maybe Meriwether gets there maybe one of the other kids does but I do think the depth of having five players that are Oregon caliber players is is sort of unique um, and certainly better than we've seen any cycle it's easy to say any cycle since Mario Cristobal or Willie Taggart have taken over um, for sure so um, and I guess this may be transitioned to this, Matt. I mean, what, what do you think a realistic number here is if, if we're including Meriwether and we're, let's say that's those five guys, do you think Oregon has a pretty good chance of, of pulling the majority of those or kind of what's your perspective? I know it's really early on. Yeah, I, I think they signed three. They already got one in Winston and I think they're going to, I think they're going to get Clemens and I also think they're going to get Meriwether. This is early on in the process. I, I would set the over under at two and a half, and I would I would say they would go over that right now, just kind of where things are progressing right now. Um, maybe maybe two, I you know, but at the same time, Oregon's a hot program. They're continuing to win. These players are all talented guys. I think there's a good chance that they're going to sign 
two, three of these players. Now, if, if they can, if, if they get a waiver and, and they can recruit Dre John and they can recruit Washington a little bit harder than what they've been able to do prior to hiring Don Johnson, then that number could go up even more. Yeah. I was going to say that the number feels like it has to be capped right now just because of the weird circumstances of those recruitments. But if you're right, if it does change, maybe some of that hesitancy goes away and you could see a scenario where, where maybe they get the four, four of these guys or something. Um, what, what, what do you, could you see a scenario where they take all five or does that feel crazy to, to do something like that? Um, I, I think, uh, I think if they, if they get the waiver or that's the only way where I think they get all five is they, they apply for a waiver and it gets approved and then they go after these guys. I think that's the only way they get all five. I, I just have a hard time seeing Trajan Williams and Lamar Washington both be willing to wait 10 days, two weeks, three weeks until signing day to allow Oregon to officially offer them a scholarship and start recruiting them again um, and make that decision after that. And I also have a hard time with Oregon holding two spots for those two players with three weeks to recruit them tops. And maybe, I mean, maybe these guys explode and turn into five-star guys, and then that makes it where you have to do it. But I just have a hard time seeing them uh, do that long of a, of a, of a wait to, to go after those guys. So the only way they sign all five is if they get a, they get a waiver. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're right. The, I mean, I, don't, I can't think of a stranger recruiting recruitment from a school perspective than what we'd be talking about with you'd have a couple of weeks to try to finalize things after not really being able to recruit them at all before that. So, and it's a unique deal because in the 2021 class, there's also two four-star recruits, you know, a defensive end that's going to Oklahoma, a running back that's going to go to Oregon state. And um, it's certainly Don Johnson is, and I don't want to get too down the rabbit hole here, but Don Johnson is connected as anyone is out on the West coast. And he is, it helped Oregon immensely on the recruiting trail. Yep. It's just uh, ironic enough that they hire him and he's helping Oregon sign all these guys from outside the state of Oregon. But at the same time, Oregon now can't recruit, you know, four of the best players to uh, come through the state of Oregon over the last three or four seasons. Uh, just really unfortunate timing of, of how that played out. No kidding. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. For Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prem. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later, folks.